We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, good afternoon and welcome. Good to have you on board for this Thursday, August 27th edition of Lifeline. Today, of course, is the fourth and final day of the Republican National Convention. We've been presenting highlights of same all week. And tonight, of course, will culminate with the acceptance speech of President Donald Trump given on the day of the official nomination by the Republican National Convention. We've got a number of key speakers we're going to be hearing from on the broadcast today. We'll be hearing from, of course, Senator Rand Paul. We'll hear from former coach Lou Holtz. Also some comments by Governor Christy Noem of South Dakota. In a moment, we'll be listening to a speech given by the wife of Vice President Mike Pence, Karen Pence. But as we get the program underway today, we thought it would be nice to begin with the national anthem. Trace Adkins doing a admirable job, so we'll give a listen to that. And from the national anthem, we'll move right into an address given by the wife of Vice President Mike Pence, Karen Pence. Just before we get started, a reminder that as we present the Republican National Convention this week, as we did so with the Democrat National Convention last week, we do each and every four years coverage of these conventions to give you a chance to listen to the positions, the party platform, the vision and goal for America set forth by the two different parties to allow you to have the information necessary to be an informed voter when you go into the voting place or vote absentee for the November 3rd election. It's Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention, right here on AM 1100 KFAX. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched. Were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still. 
cedars that star-spangled banner yet ago today, the 19th Amendment was adopted into the United States Constitution, guaranteeing women the right to vote. Because of heroes like Susan B. Anthony and Lucy Stone, women today, like our daughters, Audrey and Charlotte, and future generations will have their voices heard and their votes count. The women's suffrage movement was the gateway that led to women having the opportunities to achieve monumental milestones and accomplish significant achievements in both civic and governmental roles. This evening, we look at heroes in our land. As second lady of the United States for the past three and a half years, I have had the honor of meeting many heroes across this great country. The Pences are a military family. Our son, Michael, serves in the United States Marines, and our son-in-law, Henry, serves in the U.S. Navy. And one of my key initiatives is to elevate and encourage military spouses. These men and women, like our daughter, Charlotte, and our daughter-in-law, Sarah, are the home front heroes. I have been privileged to hear so many stories of selfless support, volunteer spirit, and great contributions to the armed forces and our communities. You know, military spouses may experience frequent moves and job changes, periods of being a single parent while their loved one is deployed, all while exhibiting pride, strength, and determination, and being a part of something bigger than themselves. To all of the military spouses, thank you. President Trump and Vice President Pence have been supporting our United States Armed Forces, including our military families, on a significant scale. While traveling throughout our nation to educate military spouses about policy solutions that President Trump has promoted involving real, tangible progress in military spouse employment, I have been inspired to meet heroes like Lisa Bradley and Cameron Cruz. These military spouses decided to start their own business, R. Riveter, named after the Rosie the Riveter campaign used to recruit women workers during World War II. R. Riveter makes beautiful handbags designed and manufactured exclusively by military spouses. And many of those spouses live all over the country. They prepare and send their section of the bags to the company located in North Carolina where the final product is assembled. Military spouse hero Jalan Hall Johnson in Billings, Montana, is a culinary artist who had dreamed of starting her own restaurant. Working with the Small Business Administration's Development Center, Jalan started her restaurant, The Sassy Biscuit, and she just opened a second restaurant in Dover, New Hampshire. And as the second lady, I've also been able to bring awareness to a form of therapy for our heroic veterans suffering from PTSD. 
Art therapy, facilitated by a professional art therapist, is especially effective with post-traumatic stress disorder. Master Gunnery Sergeant Chris Stowe, a Marine veteran I met in Tampa, who deployed for combat in Iraq and Afghanistan, said nothing had helped him deal with the trauma from his service in the Marines until he finally agreed to meet with the art therapist at Walter Reed Medical Center. Chris credits art therapy with saving his marriage and his life. And Chris went on to establish a glass blowing workshop to help other vets. Many of our veteran heroes struggle as they transition back into civilian life. And sometimes the stress is too difficult to manage alone. A few weeks ago, I had the honor of speaking with some amazing Americans who answer the veterans crisis line. One in particular, Sydney Morgan, especially impacted me. A veteran herself, Sydney said it is the highest honor of her life until they physically walk into a clinic to receive help they deserve and she can pass their hand to someone ready to help. In these difficult times, we've all seen so many examples of everyday Americans reaching out a hand to those in need, those who, in humility, have considered others more important than themselves. We've seen healthcare workers, teachers, first responders, mental health providers, law enforcement officers, grocery and delivery workers, and farmers, and so many others, heroes all. 100 years ago, women secured the right to vote. So let's vote, America. Let's honor our heroes. Let's reelect President Trump and Vice President Pence for four more years. God bless our heroes and God bless the United States. You're listening to Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention on AM 1100 KFAX. Welcome back to Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention here on AM 1100 KFAX. As our coverage continues, here's former University of Notre Dame head coach Lou Holtz. Many of you might know me as Coach Holtz or maybe that football guy. It is a pleasure, a blessing and an honor for me to explain why I believe that President Trump is a consistent winner, an outstanding leader and deserves to be re-elected as our president. First, I want you to know that I grew up in a one-bedroom house in West Virginia. I may have been poor, but the lessons my parents taught me were priceless. They taught me that life is about making choices. Wherever you are, good or bad, don't blame anyone else. Go get an education, get to work. You can overcome any obstacles and always remember, that in this great country of ours, anyone can amount 
to something special. I live by those principles of hard work and responsibility my whole life, living out the American story, and it works. But there are people today, like politicians, professors, protesters, and of course, President Trump's naysayers in the media who like to blame others for problems. They don't have pride in our country. And because they no longer ask, what can I do for my country? Only what the country should be doing for them. They don't have pride in themselves. That's wrong. When I was an officer in the Army, I served with so many great Americans who embraced the responsibility to our country. I'm so proud of their sacrifices and the opportunity it has provided for so many millions. America remains a land of opportunity, no matter what the other side says or believes. You know, there's a statue of me at Notre Dame. I guess they needed a place for the pigeons to land. But if you look closely, you will see these three words there. Trust, commitment, and love. All my life, I've made my choices based on these three words. I use these three rules to make choices about everything. My beloved wife of 59 years, athletes I coached, and of course, politicians, even President Trump. I ask myself three things. One, can I trust them? When a leader tells you something, you got to be able to count on it. That's President Trump. He says what he means, he means what he says. And he's done what he said he would do at every single turn. One of the important reasons he has my trust is because nobody has been a stronger advocate for the unborn than President Trump. The Biden-Harris ticket is the most radically pro-abortion campaign in history. They and other politicians are Catholics in name only and abandon innocent lives. President Trump protects those lives. I trust President Trump. The second question I ask is, are they committed to doing their very best? President Trump always finds a way to get something done. If you want to do something bad enough, you will find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. And excuses are a lot easier to find than solutions. President Trump finds solutions. President Trump is committed. And the third question I ask is, do they love people? Do they care about others? To me, this is very clear. President Trump has demonstrated through his prison reform, advocating for school choice and welfare reform, that he wants Americans from all walks of life to have the opportunity to succeed and live the American dream. President Trump loves our country and our great people. Trust, commitment, and love. In President Trump, we have a president we can trust, who works hard at making America greater and who genuinely cares about people. If I apply this test to Joe Biden, I can't say yes to any of these three questions. I used to ask our athletes at Notre Dame, if you did not show up, who would miss you and why? Can you imagine what would happen to us if President Trump had not shown up in 2016 to run for president? I'm so glad he showed up. Thank you for showing up, Mr. President. I encourage everyone who loves this country, who loves America, to show up in November for President Trump.
And from Coach Lou Holtz, next we hear from Sister Dee Dee Burns of the Little Workers of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary. Last 4th of July, I was honored to be one of the President's guests at his Salute to America celebration. I must confess that I recently prayed while in chapel, begging God to allow me to be a voice and instrument for human life. And now here I am, speaking at the Republican National Convention. I guess you better be careful for what you pray for. My journey to religious life was not a traditional route, if there is such a thing. In 1978, as a medical school student at Georgetown University, I joined the Army to help pay for my tuition and ended up devoting 29 years to the military, serving as a doctor and a surgeon in places like Afghanistan and Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. After much prayer and contemplation, I entered my religious order in 2002, working to serve the poor and the sick in Haiti, Sudan, Kenya, Iraq, and in Washington, D.C. Humility is at the foundation of our order, which makes it very difficult to talk about myself. But I can speak about my experience working for those fleeing war-torn and impoverished countries all around the world. Those refugees all share a common experience. They have been all marginalized, viewed as insignificant, powerless, and voiceless. And while we tend to think of the marginalized as living beyond our borders, the truth is the largest marginalized group in the world can be found here in the United States. They are the unborn. As Christians, we first met Jesus as a stirring embryo in the womb of an unwed mother and saw him born nine months later in the poverty of the cave. It's no coincidence that Jesus stood up for what was just and was ultimately crucified because what he said wasn't politically correct or fashionable. As followers of Christ, we are called to stand up for life against the politically correct or fashionable of today. We must fight against a legislative agenda that supports and even celebrates destroying life in the womb. Keep in mind the laws we create define how we see our humanity. And we must ask ourselves, what are we saying when we go into a womb and snuff out an innocent, powerless, voiceless life? As a physician, I can say without hesitation, life begins at conception. While what I have to say may be difficult for some to hear, I am saying it because I'm not just pro-life, I'm pro-eternal life, and I want all of us to end up in heaven together someday. Which brings me to why I'm here today. Donald Trump is the most pro-life president that this nation has ever had, defending life at all stages. His belief in the sanctity of life transcends politics. President Trump will stand up against Biden-Harris, who are the most anti-life presidential ticket ever, even supporting the horrors of late-term abortion and infanticide. Because of his courage and conviction, President Trump has earned the support of America's pro-life community. Moreover, he has a nationwide of religious standing behind him. You'll find us here with our weapon of choice, the rosary. So thank you, Mr. President. We are all praying for you. You're listening to Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention on AM 1100 KFAX.
Welcome back to Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention here on AM 1100 KFAX. Here now is White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany. You may know me as a supporter of President Trump, but tonight I'm here to share with you how he supported me, both as a new mom and as an American with a pre-existing condition. When I was 21 years old, I got a call that changed my life. It was my doctor informing me that I had tested positive for the BRCA2 genetic mutation, a mutation that put my chances of breast cancer at 84%. It was the same mutation that my mom had, compelling her to get a preventative double mastectomy, removing her breast tissue, but protecting her from a disease that has taken far too many of our mothers, our sisters, our friends. In my family, eight women alone were diagnosed with breast cancer, several in their young 20s. I now faced the same prospect. For nearly a decade, I was routinely at Moffitt Cancer Center getting MRIs, ultrasounds, and necessary surveillance. During these visits, I crossed paths with brave women battling cancer and fighting through chemotherapy. They were a testament to American strength. They are American heroes. On May 1st, 2018, I followed in my mother's footsteps, choosing to get a preventative mastectomy. I was scared. The night before, I fought back tears as I prepared to lose a piece of myself forever. But the next day, with my mom, dad, husband, and Jesus Christ by my side, I underwent a mastectomy, almost eliminating my chance of breast cancer, a decision I now celebrate. Breast reconstruction has advanced remarkably. While it is an individual's decision, my doctor and I chose a course of surgery that left me virtually unchanged. But more important than physical results, I developed a strength and a confidence that I carry with me. During one of my most difficult times, I expected to have the support of my family, but I had more support than I knew. As I came out of anesthesia, one of the first calls I received was from Ivanka Trump. As I recovered, my phone rang again. It was President Trump calling to check on me. I was blown away. Here was the leader of the free world caring about my circumstance. At the time, I had only met President Trump on a few occasions, but now I know him well, and I can tell you that this president stands by Americans with pre-existing conditions. In fact, President Trump called me this morning, I spoke with him several times today, and he told me how proud he was of me for sharing this story. The same way President Trump has supported me, he supports you. I see it every day. I've heard him say the hardest part of his job is writing to loved ones of fallen soldiers. I've seen him offer heartfelt outreach to grieving parents who lost their children to crime in the streets. And I've watched him fight for Americans who lost their jobs. President Trump fights for the American people because he cares about stories like these. I have a nine-month-old daughter She's a beautiful, sweet little girl. 
and I choose to work for this president for her. When I look into my baby's eyes, I see a new life, a miracle for which I have a solemn responsibility to protect. That means protecting America's future, a future President Trump will fight for, where our neighborhoods are protected, where life is sacred, where God is cherished, not taken out of our schools, removed from our pledge, and erased from our history. I want my daughter to grow up in President Donald J. Trump's America. Choosing to have a preventative mastectomy was the hardest decision I ever had to make. But supporting President Trump, who will protect my daughter and our children's future, was the easiest. And now, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Donald Trump and I met many years ago before he was running for anything. When I first met him, I recall being struck by how down to earth he was. He seemed like just a normal guy. Okay, a normal guy with his own plane and helicopter, but who's counting? I was planning a medical mission trip to Guatemala to perform charity eye surgeries, and we needed money to fund the trip. Donald Trump offered to help and immediately came through for us. Not only did he support my medical mission to Guatemala, but he also contributed to another mission trip to Haiti a year later. We performed hundreds of cataract surgeries in both countries. Nothing is more amazing than removing the bandages from a person's eyes and watching them as they see their loved ones again. Donald Trump helped me make that happen. A few years later, we were opponents, both running for president, and we all know how that turned out. But I'm proud of the job Donald Trump has done as president. I don't always agree with him, but our occasional policy differences are far outweighed by our significant agreements. But more important than simple agreement is accomplishment. President Trump gets things done. When some in Congress wanted a so-called revenue-neutral tax plan, Donald Trump and I worked together to make sure that it was a true tax cut. I brought President Trump an idea for better, less expensive health insurance called Association Health Plans. Donald Trump overturned years of red tape and bureaucrats, and he made it happen. While others talked about criminal justice reform, President Trump actually signed the First Step Act, the first real reform in a generation, and one that sought to undo the harm that others, like Joe Biden, have done. For those of us who lament the Biden crime bill that locked up a generation of young black men, remember that Biden bragged about a bill that still wreaks havoc among people of color. I'm supporting President Trump because he believes, as I do, that a strong America cannot fight endless wars. We must not continue to leave our blood and treasure in Middle East quagmires. I flew with him to Dover Air Force Base to honor two soldiers whose remains were coming home from Afghanistan. I'll never forget that evening. I can tell you the president not only felt the pain of these families, but that the president is committed to ending this war. President Trump is the first president in a generation to seek to end war rather than start one. He intends to end the war in Afghanistan. He is bringing our men and women home. Madison once wrote, no nation can preserve its freedom in the midst of continuous warfare. I'm proud to finally see a president who agrees with that. 
Compare President Trump with the disastrous record of Joe Biden, who has consistently called for more war. Joe Biden voted for the Iraq War, which President Trump has long called the worst geopolitical mistake of our generation. I fear Biden will choose war again. He supported the war in Serbia, Syria, Libya. Joe Biden will continue to spill our blood and treasure. President Trump will bring our heroes home. If you hate war like I hate war, if you want us to quit sending $50 billion every year to Afghanistan to build their roads and bridges instead of building them here at home, you need to support President Trump for another term. So to our soldiers and their families, join me in supporting President Trump. To those of you who want lower taxes and better, less expensive health care, join me in supporting President Trump. To those of you who want to stand up and fight the socialists poisoning our schools and burning our cities, join me in supporting President Trump. Let's rebuild America together. You're listening to Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention on AM 1100 KFAX. Welcome back to Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention here on AM 1100 KFAX. Here now is the acceptance speech of President Donald Trump after having received the nomination of the Republican Party for candidate for President of the United States. Four more years! Now, if you want to really drive him crazy, you say 12 more years. Because... We caught them doing some really bad things in 2016. Let's see what happens. We caught them doing some really bad things. We have to be very careful because they're trying it again with this whole 80 million mail-in ballots that they're working on, uh, sending them out to people that didn't ask for them. They didn't ask. They just get them. And it's not fair and it's not right. And it's not going to be possible to tabulate, in my opinion. It's just my opinion. We have to be very, very careful. And you have to watch. Every one of you, you have to watch. Because bad things happened last time with the spying on our campaign, and that goes to Biden, and that goes to Obama. And we have to be very, very careful. We have to be very, very careful. And this time, they're trying to do it with the whole post office scam. They'll blame it on the post office. You could see them setting it up. Be very careful and watch it very carefully, because we have to win. This is the most important election in the history of our country. This is the most, you know, for, for a long period of time, I would say, well, 2016, how special was that evening? Was that one of the great, that was one of the great evenings. But we have to be very, very careful and we have to win. Our country is counting on it. This is the biggest. This is it. Our country can go in a horrible, horrible direction or in an even greater direction. And before the plague came in from China, That's where we were going. We were going in a direction like we had never seen. The most successful economy 
in the history of our country, the best unemployment numbers in history for African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, women, college students, bad students, good students, everybody. If you had a diploma, if you didn't have a diploma, it didn't matter, you were doing well. Everybody was doing well. And we were actually coming together. You know, success brings people together, maybe better than anything else. Success brings people. So many times they say, we're divided. Well, we were very divided under President Obama, very divided. People have no idea how divided. They didn't talk about it as much. They didn't say it as much. But we were really coming together. And I was speaking with Democrats all of a sudden because the success, the markets were at an all-time high. And by the way, take a look at what's happening with the markets. Take a look at your 401ks, which you probably do every hour. (laughs) Take a look at your stocks. We're very close to breaking the record. And NASDAQ has already done it. You know, NASDAQ has broken the record, I think, 16 times already during a pandemic. Hopefully, we'll call it the final phase of a pandemic. You know, Biden the other day said, no, he'd shut it down. He'd listen to some guy say, and he'd shut it down. Uh, We just broke a record on jobs, an all-time record. There's never been three months where we've put more people to work, over 9 million people. And again, we're just about ready to break the all-time stock market record. I mean, you look at it, we're just about ready to do it again. And what that means is everything else is going to follow. Very smart on Wall Street. Everything else is going to be there. The economy is coming up very rapidly. Our farmers are doing well. Our farmers are doing well because I got China to give them $28 billion because they were targeted by China. I got the farmers $28 billion, 16 and 12. That's why, so in spite of the pandemic, and our farmers did a great job in supplying food and all of the difficulties during this period of time, but uh, we're getting ready to do things like nobody's ever seen before. But the best way to bring unity is success. Success brings unity, and we were there, and then we got hit with the plague. But we won't forget that. I just want to thank the people of North Carolina, because to be honest with you, I felt an obligation to be here. Uh, You have a a governor who's in a total shutdown mood. I guarantee on November 4th, it'll all open up. It'll be fine, like most other states. On November 4th, you know, these Democrat governors, they love shutdown until after the election's over because they want to make our numbers look as bad as possible for the economy. But our numbers are looking so good. And frankly, I used to say a V and people would say, well, maybe not. I don't think so. Some would say, no way. We have a super V. You're right. It's now looking like it's a super V. Uh, Our automobile numbers are incredible. Both used cars and brand new cars. Our manufacturing numbers are incredible. We're putting a lot of manufacturing jobs to work that the previous administration said you'd need a magic wand. You'd need a magic wand for manufacturing jobs. I don't think so. I guess we had the magic wand, that's all. But we're putting them, again, we're putting them back. We're bringing them back. But think of your life just prior to the plague coming in. It was the best it's ever been. Your state had the best numbers they've ever had, ever had by far. And we had the best employment numbers also. We were up to 160 million jobs. We were never anywhere near that. And then we had to shut it down. We saved millions and millions of lives. We learned the enemy. We learned all about the invisible enemy, how it affects 
really people that are older, especially older people, the elderly, but older people with uh, problems with heart, with diabetes, with other problems. And we learned, and most of the country is right now doing very, very well. They've done an incredible job. And to have a man sitting on television the other day say, oh, I'd shut it down. Oh, I'd shut it down. Like, it's easy. Shut it down. And by the way, when you shut it down, and we did the exact right thing, we shut it down, then we reopened, and that's what we're doing now. We're well into it. But if we didn't shut it down at that point, we would have had millions of people dead. Millions of people. You see the numbers. The job that Mike Pence and the task force and all of us together have done has been incredible what we've done, what we've achieved, whether it's ventilators, whether it's supplying equipment to governors that were totally ill-prepared. Many of the governors were totally ill-prepared. Nobody wants to say that, but it's supposed to work that way. Federalists, supposed to work that way. The governors are supposed to do it. Many of them, and many of them did a fine job, and many of them came back well. But most of them didn't have the equipment that they should have had. Few of them had the ventilators, which are very, very complex machines and hard to make and hard to manufacture and expensive. And we're right now making thousands of ventilators a month, and we're sending them. We have all we can use. Our whole country, every state, we're stocked. We're stocked. And I always say it. I'll say it again. There's never been a person that needed a ventilator that didn't get a ventilator. Every single person that's ever needed a ventilator, with all that you've heard, with how much, you know, they said we didn't have. Again, I took over a country whose military was depleted and whose cupboard on this front were bare. The cupboards were bare. We didn't have anything. We didn't have a thing. We had very, very little. And we did a great job. We haven't been given, and it's not for me, it's for the incredible people, the generals, the admirals, all of the, the doctors, the nurses. And yet you saw yesterday convalescent plasma. You saw remdesivir. You'll soon see vaccines pouring out years ahead of what they would have been under a more traditional, let's use that term because it's nicer, a more traditional administration where they would have taken years to come up with this stuff. We're coming up with it like nobody's ever seen before. The FDA, Dr. Hanna, I want to thank him. Alex Azar, I want to thank him. They've come with things and done things that have never been done in terms of speed. And frankly, in terms of quality, if you look at what we're doing and what we're coming up with, drug companies are coming out with vaccines that are, I've seen some results already. It's going to be very, very soon. They're in stage three trials. It's unheard of. We wouldn't be there for two years if this were a more normal situation. So I just want to thank everybody for being here. And again, I felt an obligation to come to North Carolina. It's been a place that, uh, that's been very good to me. You know, we won a lot of victories here. I've haven't been doing this that long, but I won every chance I had in North Carolina. I even I even stole a great chief of staff, Mark Meadows, right? I stole him from North Carolina. And he left Congress as a very popular guy. Could have been there for a long time if he wanted, and he, he came in. And by the way, you have a fantastic young gentleman going to take his place. He's a fantastic young guy, and he's going to be a, a real star in the party. You're listening to Decision 2020, highlights of the Republican National Convention on AM 1100 KFAX.